From the Valley of the Sun in Phoenix, Arizona, welcome to episode 237 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast. My name is Deacon Steve, and I remain a permanent deacon in the Diocese of Phoenix. Palm Sunday is here, and Holy Week is soon upon us. This week we are asked to truly focus on entering into the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ. I encourage you to attend all the liturgies of the Triduum, Holy Thursday, where we celebrate the first Eucharist and the establishment of the priesthood, Good Friday, as we contemplate the cross and the death of our Lord on that cross for our sins, the Easter Vigil, that beautiful first liturgy of Easter of light and water, just a beautiful, beautiful liturgy. And of course, Easter Sunday itself. He has risen. May we spend this week reflecting on what Holy Week is really about. May we ask the Lord to help us not only be forgiven of our sins, but to enter more and more deeply into relationship with him. We as Catholics follow a person. We follow Jesus Christ, the Son of God, one with the Father, one with the Spirit. May we be one with the Lord this week, one within ourselves, at peace, working more and more to surrender our lives to him, so that our Lord who loves us, who gave his life for us, may truly enter into our hearts and we may be filled with the joy of Easter. In episode 237 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast, we first discuss our saint of the week, St. Ludovico of Sazoria, a holy man who served the poor. We will hear a homily for Palm Sunday, Passion Sunday, as Jesus enters triumphantly into Jerusalem. In the segment, Catholics in the News, we will learn about a priest who lived his life devoted to God's mercy. In the segment, Truth in the Media, we will discover how young women are using social media site to advocate for life. In the segment entitled, I Don't Get It, I will try to understand what happened outside a church in Texas. Finally, during our Truth Topic of the Week, we will hear the truth from a writer about the importance of loving one's neighbor. All of this, plus music from Stephen Lines, who sings, Hosanna in the Highest. This and more on episode 237 of What is Truth? Saint of the Week Born in Casoria near Naples, Archangel Palamentari was a cabinet maker before entering the Friars Minor in 1832, taking the name Ludovico. After his ordination five years later, he taught chemistry, physics, and mathematics to younger members of his province for several years. 
1847, Ludovico had a mystical experience, which he later described as a cleansing. After that, he dedicated his life to the poor and the infirmed, establishing a dispensary for the poor, two schools for African children, an institute for the children of nobility, as well as an institute for orphans, the deaf, the mute, the blind, the elderly, and travelers. In addition to an infirmary for the friars of his province, he began charitable institutes in Naples, Florence, and Assisi. He once said, Christ's love has wounded my heart. This love prompted him to great acts of charity. To help continue those works of charity in 1859, he established the Gray Brothers, a religious community composed of men who formerly belonged to the secular Franciscan order. Three years later, he founded the Gray Sisters of St. Elizabeth for the same purpose. Toward the beginning of his final nine-year illness, Ludovico wrote a spiritual testament, which described faith as light in the darkness, help in sickness, blessing in tribulations, paradise in the crucifixion, and life amid death. The focal work for his beatification began within five months of Ludovico's death. He was beatified in 1993 and canonized in 2014. His feast day is March 13th. St. Ludovico of Casoria, who served God in the poor. Our Saint of the Week. Homily of the Week. Today's homily is based on the readings for Passion Sunday, as Jesus enters into Jerusalem with his disciples. One of the most beautiful sacraments to celebrate, both as a participant and as a deacon, is the sacrament of marriage. It's incredible being with a couple, preparing them, and then sharing with them and witnessing for the church their wedding day they come before God and state their intention to live together, to support each other in Christ, and to live that sacrament of marriage. And yet, among the general population, roughly 50% of those who say I do eventually say, I don't. I don't want to be married to you. And those marriages end in divorce. Today we celebrate Passion Sunday, and we hear that Jesus enters triumphantly into Jerusalem. Hosanna, Hosanna to the Son of David, Jesus hears, as they lay down palms in front of him, honoring the king who comes into Jerusalem. Days later, those same people are saying, crucify him, crucify him, and have turned against him, many of them mocking him or abandoning him when he needed them most to be with him as he suffered and died for us. As we 
celebrate this Passion Sunday, we are called, I think, to ask ourselves, where are we in our relationship with Christ? Are we loyal, true disciples who stay connected to Jesus no matter what? Or are we people that are, in many ways, fair-weather friends who profess our love one minute and complain and abandon our relationship with him the next? Sometimes we turn away from Christ when we have our own passion, our own suffering. We think that God shouldn't allow us to go through this. If God really loved us, he wouldn't have us suffer this way. We may even blame God for the suffering. Why'd you do this to me, Lord? Maybe you don't exist. Maybe I'm wasting my time praying to you. It's not fair. I shouldn't have to go through this. It's too painful. It's too hard. And when we go through moments of pain and doubt, we turn away from the Lord. The Lord that we say how much we love and worship, we reject and abandon. Sometimes we do that not just because of our pain, but because of the fact that we are simply too distracted by the world in front of us. We're so busy living in the world, living in our own lives, that that becomes the center of our lives. That becomes the priority of our lives. And when we are living for us, living in the world, we are, without even maybe recognizing it, turning away from Christ, rejecting him as the center of our lives, as the meaning in our lives, as the true love of our lives. And when we do this, we become more and more distant in rejecting of him. There are so many different examples we can think of that human beings enter into where we go from our love to our basically ignoring or outright rejection of the one we say we love. And yet Passion Sunday recalls for us what Jesus did for us and the fact that we are made not only in the image of God, but only our relationship with our Lord is the only thing in the world that ultimately will bring us peace. We were created by God for God. And if we are to live in that relationship, we must not abandon the Lord. We must be like Mary and St. John the Apostle, the disciple, who were at the foot of the cross. Mary Magdalene, who came to the tomb. We must be like those people who did not abandon the Lord. But the question is, how? Well, it starts first by being open and willing to be. If we are to be followers of Christ who do not abandon him, who continue to love him, we must keep in connection with him, in relationship with him. Worshiping God is not simply an act. It is a relationship. And without spending time growing that relationship, 
by spiritual reading, attending Mass, receiving Eucharist, praying, etc., etc., we will not grow in our ability to become more and more open and connected to the Lord. We must invite Jesus into our hearts. We must be willing to do his will. And here's the hard part. We must be willing to accept whatever crosses we must carry to help us serve him and to grow in holiness. It's not easy, my brothers and sisters, to live a life of giving worship and praise to God, especially when it's hard, especially when we're suffering, especially when we're challenged. But we are to take those sufferings and challenges and offer them to Christ. We are to add them to his redemptive suffering by offering to Christ our sufferings as gifts to him. We had asked for his consolation, which will ultimately come. Because Christ defeated death, he can help us carry our crosses and, in a sense, defeat our sufferings from being the center of our lives. My brothers and sisters, Palm Sunday is the beginning of a week of holiness. We are called to enter into our own passion, the passion of dying to self, the passion of suffering whatever we need to suffer so that we can grow in holiness, so that we can receive God's mercy, so we can be open to the will of the Lord and truly experience the love, the mercy that our Lord's passion gives to us. God gave his very life so that we may live with him forever. May we start again this Passion Sunday, the process of giving our lives to Christ so that we may be one with him in this world and the next. And now let us listen to Stephen Lines, who plays Hosanna in the Highest.
Catholics in the news. Father Seraphim Michelinko of the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception, one of the world's leading experts on divine mercy in St. Faustina, died at the age of 90 at the Berkshire Medical Center in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, near the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. A priest for 64 years, Father Michelenko was the vice postulator for the cause of beatification and then the canonization of St. Faustina. He had even personally witnessed the miracle of her beatification when it took place. Father Michelenko was committed to speaking about the message of divine mercy and promoting the mercy of God. Even as a youngster, he never seemed far away from the divine mercy message. He grew up in the town of Adams, Massachusetts, which is western Massachusetts, and attended St. Stanislaus Costa Church, 30 miles north of what would later become the Marian Fathers Eden Hill, and decades later the National Shrine of Divine Mercy. As a young teenager, he learned about Divine Mercy at his parish, as that parish became the first church in the Western Hemisphere to enshrine an image of the Divine Mercy. At this time, he also learned about Faustina from a Marian priest who visited his family. In addition, his parents obtained an image of divine mercy, and as he said, we hung it in our house. That's how I found out about divine mercy. Father Michelenko said that in high school, God called him to be a priest with the Marians. Recalling his vocation, he would later say, in dedicating my life to spreading divine mercy, a work entrusted to the Marians, turned out to be God's plan for me. By 1979, he was officially appointed as vice postulator in North America for then-Sister Faustina's canonization cause. In the same decade, he went to the communist-occupied Poland and smuggled out pages of St. Faustina's diary as photographic images. By 1995, he was assigned to promote the message and devotion of Divine Mercy full-time, as well as continue work on St. Faustina's canonization cause, which came to fruition when Pope St. John Paul II canonized her in 2000 as the first saint of the new millennium. Father Michelenko said that the Divine Mercy message and devotion must be a grassroots effort to spread which it has become. His answer was that he wanted to see them celebrate Divine Mercy Sunday in their parishes, which has been coming to pass as churches around the world have slowly but surely been bringing home the message and devotion on Divine Mercy Sunday. Father Seraphim Michelenko, who lived his life helping others see and experience the Divine Mercy of God, this week's Catholics in the News. Truth in the Media The video sharing app TikTok has been a growing platform for political debate, including the hot-button topic of abortion. TikTok's pro-life hashtag features content with 8.97 million views, and the pro-choice hashtag has content 
with more than 1 billion views as young people all over the world post videos with their own perspectives on both sides of the issue. The TikTok app is hugely popular for young people, and 60% of TikTok users are between the ages of 16 and 24. It features dance trends, challenges, and funny sketches in the up to 60-second video clip format. Five Christian young women, ages 15 to 21, are part of the pro-life culture on TikTok with their account at the Pro-Life Hive, which features pro-life videos with information, humor, and personal stories. Hannah Skirzmaramik, a 21-year-old from Catholic mom based in Ohio, said that the account started from friendships formed within the pro-life community on Instagram and conversations where they realized they wanted to take pro-life content to TikTok. The account started in June and has more than 20,000 followers. Hannah has her, had her own conversion to being pro-life after an unplanned pregnancy in her freshman year of college. I was in a horribly abusive relationship, she said, like sexual, physical, emotional abuse. A week after ending the relationship, she discovered she was pregnant and immediately scheduled an abortion. At the time, Hannah said, I firmly believed that my life was going to be over if I got pregnant, that I would have to drop out of college. She ended up deciding to tell her mother, who was Catholic, about the pregnancy, and her mother's response was, whatever you do, please just go to a pregnancy center first. I went to the pregnancy center, and they were the most kind, supportive people, Hannah said. I didn't feel any pressure from them. She still planned on an abortion, but returned to the center for an ultrasound, where she recalled the lady is looking for my daughter in my belly, and I saw her, and immediately I just started bursting into tears, and I was like, that's a baby. That's literally a baby, not just a clump of cells or all the things I thought it was going to be. It completely shocked me, she said. I ended up keeping my daughter, and she's amazing. She changed my life in the most credible, incredible ways. I didn't drop out of school. My life wasn't ruined. And all those things that I really thought were going to happen did not happen. I had no idea they were going to be totally wrong. But also, my life is going to be infinitely better because of my daughter. Her career path also contributed to her conversion. I started studying embryonic and fetal development when training to be an ultrasound tech, Hannah said, and found that biology and medicine affirm the pro-life view. Hannah's advocacy on TikTok is part of her goal to help other girls and women in that situation who can't see out of the immediate panic of finding out they're pregnant unexpectedly, to see how amazing life can be with your child even in ways you don't know. Hannah goes on to say that kids who mostly are on our age group on our account 15 to 18, early 20s, might get pregnant unexpectedly. They might also not even understand the humanity of life in the womb. The account will occasionally hold debates on TikTok with those with opposing views. We really like to engage with people and share our sources and share our arguments, Hannah said. The account also features a link to sources for pro-life arguments and registries for mothers who are in crisis pregnancies and need assistance. Another contributor to the site said, 
Abortion is the greatest human rights issue of our time. We have the knowledge, passion, and opportunity to change hearts and minds and save lives. We should utilize every tool in our hands to save every preborn life we can. Young women using the social media app TikTok to tell the story about the sanctity of life. This week's Truth in the Media. Three angel statues at St. Pius X Church in El Paso have suffered heavy damage in a vandalism incident, prompting sadness and prayers for whoever committed the crime. We are saddened at the damage that was done in St. Pius X, says Bishop Mark Seitz of the El Paso Diocese. These holy images are important to us because they serve as signs and reminders of God's closeness and God's care for us. Three angel statues on the parish grounds were found toppled over and broken. There was no damage inside any of the buildings, the diocese reported. So let me get this straight. Vandals go on church property and destroy three statues of angels outside of a Catholic church. Why would somebody do something like this? But they did! In Texas? This is nuts! I don't get it! Truth Topic of the Week Catholics who are still committed to going to Mass have proved one thing very well, that we love God. We love Him a lot. We love Him against all odds, writes Catholic writer Tom Hoops. Hoops goes on to say that to be right with God, we just need to take one more crucial step. What's that, you may ask? We have to figure out how to love our neighbor, even when our neighbor is an enemy of our faith. First, to give credit where credit is due, Hoops writes, what we have done is nearly miraculous. We have remained faithful to God, not just when it's easy, but in the middle of a pandemic, which is not easy. In fact, it's really hard. We've also stuck with God in his church, despite post-Vatican II excesses and the exodus of a number of people. We've loved him despite the abandonment of catechesis by much of the church, which meant the abandonment of us. We love God and his church despite the fact that the sacrament of confession was virtually absent from most parishes for decades in what Pope John John Paul II called a crisis of the sacrament. We love God and his church despite the deep betrayal of the sexual abuse crisis. We love him in his church despite the capitulation of prominent Catholics to our most bloodthirsty enemy in history, the abortion industry. We love God in his church despite the signs we have seen that many representatives of the church don't love us back because our faith makes them uncomfortable. What we have done, Hoops writes, is no small thing. And this situation has given many of us something like post-traumatic stress disorder, where we feel like enough is enough and we can give no more. 
But don't forget that every age has had to love God in his church this way, Hoops goes on to say. Jesus was the victim of religious leaders and sold out, denied, or abandoned by all of his apostles except for John. Paul had to chastise the Christian leaders of communities from Rome to Galatia for terrible infighting and even had to stand up to Peter to his face. And on it continued, from the Christological heresies, to the Great Schism, to the Protestant Reformation, to our own fractured times. In fact, every saint is a saint, despite disappointment with or rejection by church leaders to a greater or lesser degree. There have been saints enslaved by other Christians, saints locked up in their own religious orders, rejected by their flocks for the color of their skin killed by firing squad or gas chamber in predominantly Christian countries. So what U.S. Catholics have done is good but not unique. Hoops goes on to write that loving a disappointing church is a vocation of every Catholic. It has always been so, and it will always be so, until the trumpet sounds and the dead arise. Now we have to do the other thing generations of Catholics have done. Alongside the bitter disappointment in church history is the story of Christians who refuse to be bitter. They overcame by focusing on what matters most, loving God and loving one's neighbor. Why must we love our neighbor? Because we will be judged solely on whether or not we did. In Matthew's 25th chapter, those who invested their talents and fed, clothed, and welcome their neighbors are saved. Those who didn't are not saved. Secondly, we must be capable of influencing our neighbor in order to do the one task Jesus gave us as he departed at the ascension, to be his witnesses to the end of the earth and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Thirdly, we must love our neighbor because lack of love is literally killing them. An epidemic of loneliness is fueling depression and anxiety. An epidemic of hopelessness has pushed aside and pushed suicide and deaths of despair to to record levels. And a refusal to embrace the truth is causing people irreparable, yeah, easy for me to say, major self-destructive choices. And why do we need to love our neighbor? Because Jesus told us so. To love God with all heart, soul, and might, and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Writer Tom Hoops telling us the truth about the importance of loving our neighbor. Our truth topic of the week. Well, we've finished episode 237 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast. If you have any feedback about the podcast you wish to share, please email me at deaconstevew at gmail.com. Next week, we're going to, our podcast is going to be sort of a special Easter edition. As we enter Holy Week, let us pray to grow in holiness as we grow in our love for Christ. Let us remember the call of Christ to love our Lord, 
and to love one another. Let us pray. Lord, help us, especially during this Holy Week, to discern the truth, the truth you call us all to live. Help us to live in this truth so that we can be as you created us to be, truly free. And let us ask our Lady's help in this journey. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now, and at the hour of our death. Amen. Until next time, this is Deacon Steve. I invite you to join me as we discover together what is truth.